hey, we're going to enjoy the Word of God together. We're going to read today from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, which is, of course, the Christmas narrative. May I have you all please stand for the reading of God's Word. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothal, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, please. Thank you, Christian. These are some of the most familiar and happy words that we read at Christmas time. These are beautiful times. And today I want to celebrate with you this Christmas week over the words of this narrative. The focus will mainly be on verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. But first this morning, I want us to consider verse 11. For unto you is born this day, this day. It happened on a day, a day in history, not some mythological imaginary story, but a day when Caesar Augusta was the emperor of Rome and Quirinius was the governor of Syria. It was a kairos moment, meaning it was the right time. It was the critical time, the opportune time, the fullness of time. It was a carpe diem. It was a seize the day time. It was planned in eternity past before the creation of the world. Indeed, before the creation of the whole universe with light years of space and billions and billions of galaxies. All of this was created and made glorious for this day 
and what it means for human history. For that holy child was born into a world in which he created. I find that amazing. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible or invisible, whether rulers or thrones or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The baby in the manger holding the world as he lay there. Get your mind around that. Created for him, for this day of his appearing. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. It happened on a day. It was a perfect day. The fullness of time. For unto you is born this day. Secondly, it happened in a city. In the city of David, not in Narnia. No, not in a galaxy far, far away. It happened in a city. 6,451 miles from where we are seated here today. That's a long way away. And that city still exists to this very day. It's a real city. It's a real city. The name of the city is Bethlehem. In verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Bethlehem, six miles from Jerusalem. Bethlehem, the city where Jesse lived, who was the father of David, the great king of Israel. Bethlehem, the city that Micah, the minor prophet, prophesied over. He said, but to you, O Bethlehem, Aprathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Micah saw this day. So it happened in a city, a real city, just like Bridgeton or Maryland Heights or Chesterfield or St. Peter's. Thirdly, a Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. If you've ever sinned against God, you need a Savior. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember the angel said to Joseph, he says, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Only God can forgive sins against God. And that's why God sent his eternal son of God into the world because he is God. That's why Jesus said, the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He is the Savior. Fourthly, who is Christ? Christ. For unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ. Christ, the English word Christos, which means anointed one, from which we get the word Messiah. The one who 
was foretold from old, the one who was long awaited, the one who was anointed above all others. Psalm 45, the writer to the Hebrews quoting Psalm 45, a very familiar verse regarding the great and glorious priestly role of Jesus. He says, you have loved righteousness, you have hated wickedness, therefore God thy God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. He is the final anointed king. He is the final anointed prophet, and he is the final anointed priest. Because in him, all the promises of God are yes and amen. He would fulfill all of the hopes and dreams of his people Israel and much, much more, vastly more. Why? Because he is fifthly the Lord. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Oh, when we say Lord, when we say that we mean ruler, we mean the sovereign. We mean the one to whom no one can dethrone him or unseat him. He is the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And as our friend Ern Baxter used to say, he is the benevolent dictator. Hallelujah. He is the Lord. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government that speaks of the lordship, the government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Oh, that's better. See, that's not just a Christmas card. That's not just a song. That's a living reality, folks. So Christmas in summary, is on a day in real history, in a city, in a real world, the Savior who will take away all of our guilt, the Christ to fulfill all of our hopes, the Lord who will defeat all of our enemies and make us safe and satisfied in Him forever. Christmas, in summary, we have a great Savior. Jesus the Christ, the Lord, born on a day to save us from our sins. Oh, yes, our many, many sins. Aren't you glad, Dale Massey? Amen, brother. So God sends an angel to make this glorious announcement to the shepherds. Now, as the angel appears in that cold, dark night sky, the environment changes. The glory of the Lord encircled them. The glory of the Lord shone around and about them. When I meditate on that, I think of the Aurora Borealis. I think, oh, the movement of the northern lights. My brother Joe Gerwitz sitting back there, he and I had a privilege when in Alaska 
a few years ago in a dark, cold night, stood out in front of the cabin, and there we watched the aurora borealis. All you could think is the majesty of God. Well, every year we read the Christmas story, and we read of the time of Jesus' birth, how all the circumstances were clothed in humility, no room for him in the inn. They had to make that long and laborious trek all the way to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey. So the babe was born wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a feeding trough, a common corn crib. There was no glory there. In his humanity, he was experiencing total humiliation in his entrance into the world that he created. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now understand, we cannot separate the human nature from the divine nature, but we must distinguish them. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? We cannot separate the human and the divine nature, but we must distinguish them. And although the human nature was contained in one location in time and space, right there in the manger in Bethlehem. Therefore, the child could not be somewhere else at the same time. But his divine nature could. And at that very moment, when the child in human nature was in the manger in a state of total humiliation, just a little beyond, the Bible says, in the same region, there was shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel was not alone. There appeared a multitude of angels, thousands upon thousands of these angels, praising God and singing about the Shekinah glory because they knew where that glory was coming from. They cried out, glory to God in the highest. Where did that radiance that terrified the shepherds come from? It came from inside that baby who was in the manger in Bethlehem. He is truly God and truly man. Get your mind around that. This is an expression of the same glory and radiance and the refulgence that would shine when Jesus went up that mount of transfiguration with Peter, James, and John in due time. He is glorious. The angel says, this is the announcement, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. After the announcement, the angel pointed the shepherds to the animal shed where Jesus was laid. And suddenly, 
An army of angels appeared in that night sky. A vocal symphony of myriads upon myriads of heavenly hosts praising God and saying in melodious unison, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace with those with whom he is well pleased. So what do we learn from this manner in which the announcement was given? What do we learn? It's beautifully this. Evidently, one angel can make the announcement. One providentially chosen, hand-picked angel can make the announcement. But it demands an army of angels to respond to the news. It takes an army of angels to give us the implications of this news and what it means, which is glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It was joyful news on that day, brothers and sisters, in the fullness of time, in that prophesied city, a Savior was born, who is Christ the Lord. This news, it simply has two amazing outcomes. One, glory to God in the highest. And two, peace among those with whom he is pleased. As you could tell today, I'm more of a hammer and nail preacher just pounding it home. Glory to God in the highest, the first implication, and peace among those with whom he is pleased. The coming of this child will be the greatest revelation of the glory of God ever. Why? Because Hebrews tells us that he is the radiance, the refulgence of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Man, that, if that doesn't ring your bell, you know your clacker is stuck. You know it is. You know it is. Because that is as good as it gets. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. The coming of this child will bring, pre will bring peace to all of God's people. His people will one day fill the whole earth with righteousness and peace. Isn't that a glorious mission for us? That we would fill the earth with His glory, the knowledge of His glory. We will fill it with righteousness and peace because the Bible tells us of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. And we also understand from Pauline teaching that God rules the world through His Spirit-filled image bearers, you and I, called to do what Adam failed to do, that we would rule in righteousness and obedience on behalf of Almighty God. Well, first and foremost, God is glorified because this child is born. And second, peace is spread wherever that child is received.
These are the two great purposes for the coming of Jesus. Glory, ever ascending from man to God. Glory, ever rising from man to God. Glory from your hearts and mine, rising in praise and thanksgiving to God in the way that we serve Him, in the way that we obey Him and keep His Word, which glorifies Him. So the great purposes of the coming of Jesus is glory ever rising, ever ascending from man to God, and peace ever descending from God to man. Peace ever descending from God's heart to yours. Two glorious purposes in this great announcement. What was God about when he created the world? His glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims his handiwork. What was God about when he came to reclaim the world in Jesus? His glory and our peace. Hallelujah. The point of creation, the point of redemption, is that God is glorious and will be praised for his glory through his new creation image bearers. That's you and me. He will be praised in his people. The most basic need that mankind has is peace with God. There are two types of peace in the Bible. There is the peace of God, and there is the peace with God. The peace of God, we understand, is, is the peace that God gives as a gift to his people in the midst of stress and anxiety and frustrations and the feelings of being overwhelmed. Have you ever been there before? You know, like Christmas week. <laughs> you know, when there's a whole lot to do and a little bit of time to do it. You know, when your Christmas presents are out there on the West Coast floating around in some cargo ship in some container and you're wondering, and they keep lying to you. It'll be delivered tomorrow. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> those stress, those, those, those moments that we have, right? Those difficult family members that we'll be visiting with in a few days. <laughs> those potential financial challenges that we may be going through or maybe a health concern. God gives us a wonderful gift called the peace of God. Don't be anxious about anything. Hmm. Yeah, but what about this, Lord? Don't be anxious about anything. Wait, 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 but this is different. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, oh, in every, situ every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He's listening. He's leaning in. He is ever descending with peace to mankind. He's leaning in on you. 
he hears. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. Not just your heart, it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but I'm all jacked up, Lord. I got this problem. I have a peace for you that will transcend. It's above. It's more than enough. It's plentiful. But Lord, it's a lot. I know. I've come. I've got it. And my peace is more than your flurry of activity. And it will come every moment. The peace of God. But that's not what the angel was talking about. Hmm. But before we leave that, the peace of God, let's all just take a deep breath. A deep corporate Christmas week breath. In the nose, out the mouth. I sound like a, one of those exercising videos. <laughs> Ready? And exhale. Come on, Wesley, a little more. I want to see those nostrils flare. But here we go. In the nose and out the mouth. Kind of a nice little moment during the preaching of the word. Now, don't go to sleep, Ron. Stay with me now. The peace of God. Now, the peace with God is what the angel announced. And the key passage for us to know and understand is Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified. That means that God has declared you to be just in his sight. That means not guilty. How? By imputing to you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus' merits, his merits become yours. As we heard earlier today, sang, prayed, and talked about at the communion table, Jesus paid it all. His merits imputed to you. It's that glorious divine exchange. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, when he speaks of this justification by faith that brings us into peace with God, says this, being justified by faith, the way of reaching the state of justification is not by tears, it's not by prayers nor humbling of yourself, not working nor reading your Bible, nor church going, nor sacraments, nor priestly absolution, but by faith. Faith is a simple and utter dependence in believing the faithfulness of God, a dependence upon the promise of God because it's God's promise and it's worthy of our dependence. It is a reliance with all of our might upon what God says. This is faith. And every man and woman who possesses this faith is perfectly justified today. 
I know what the devil will say to you. He will say, you're a sinner. <laughs> and I tell you, you are. But for all of that, you tell him, I know I am, but I am justified. He will tell you of the greatness of your sins. You tell him of the greatness of Christ's righteousness. He will tell you of all of your mishaps and all of your backslidings, of your offenses and all of your wanderings. Tell him and tell your own conscience that you know all of that, but that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And although your sins be great, Christ is well able to put them all away. While you look to yourselves, you don't know what faith means. You must be convinced that there is nothing good in yourselves. You must know that you are sinners, and in your hearts you are as big and as dark and as the very worst and vilest, and you must come to Jesus and leave your fancied righteousness and your pretended goodness behind you. And you must take Him for everything and trust Him. Wow. Boy, that man knew how to preach. I think my favorite line is, you got to leave your fancied righteousness and your pretended goodness and take him and take him for everything. How plain and true. What an application of justification by faith. When we take Jesus for everything, we're in good hands. The Apostle Paul said, because of you, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, because of you, God, by faith, we are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We must take Him for everything. We take Him for our wisdom. We take Him for our righteousness. We take Him for our sanctification and for our redemption. We take Him for everything. And therefore, we can rest. Because as we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we are united to Him. We're in union with Him. His righteousness is counted as ours. And we are justified by faith alone. The result is peace with God. God's anger at us because of our sin and rebellion against Him is over. And God adopts us into His family. From now on, all of His dealings towards us are for our good. He will never be against us. He is our Father and our friend. We have peace and we don't need to be afraid anymore. I knew Steve was going to help me this morning. <laughs> so in closing, consider this. The greatest announcement in all of history. The birth of the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, was not announced to dignitaries or kings, or those who are in oval offices. It wasn't announced to CNN or Fox News. It was announced to some shepherds.
those in their culture who were despised, rejected, considered nobodies. And these nobodies were given a message for everybody so that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord can become a somebody, a child of God. Because if you're a child of God, you're no longer a nobody. You're a somebody. Because God has come in his son, Jesus. And we say, with the angels and the myriads, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace with those to whom he is pleased. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all of you. It's going to be a great week. It's a, a buildup. Let your heart be glad this week. Let it be light. Not because the Christmas carol says so, but because Jesus has brought to you ever-descending peace. And as a result, let your heart rise to glorify him for all of his goodness. Let's all stand to our feet.